Welcome to episode 128 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I was speaking with my wife the other night. Me, I don't feel like cooking. Let's go out to eat. My wife, what gear certificates do we have? Me, we have some for Outback. We could swing by the grocery store after and pick up a few things. A simple plan. If we were just two adults without children, that is basically how our evening would have gone. Then we went and picked up our toddler from preschool and he was reluctant to leave until my wife mentioned we might go to Costco. We didn't really have time to go to Costco since that is usually a long trip and dinner is never quick and their bedtime was just a couple hours away. But in the car, my son kept talking about Costco. It's Costco time, he shouted from his car seat. So we made a new plan. Order takeout from Outback and start planning our Costco shopping list so we can get in and out quickly. And with that, we had a new goal. We managed to whiz around Costco in just 30 minutes and hundreds of dollars later, pick up our takeout and be home well before bedtime. That kind of nimble goal resetting is necessary as parents, but it's also necessary as a business owner. You're starting this year with the best of intentions. You have stated your big goals for the year and made a plan to achieve them. But life, or toddlers, intervene, and it's important to revisit your goals throughout the year. To help you stay on top of your goals and build in time to reflect on them, I've co-produced the Magic of Quarterly Goals workbook. This 50-page workbook is meant to be a living document that you revisit each quarter so you're sure to stay on track. Your challenge this week, download your free copy of the Magic of Quarterly Goals workbook at robbysamuels.com forward slash goals. Act quickly and you'll be invited to also sign up for a free masterclass on February 1st on how to make the most of this resource. We scheduled this masterclass just in time for you to realize that intentions aren't the same as actions and maybe, just maybe, you need a bit more support to get going on your 2019 goals. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest believes you have within you the ability to attract your ideal partner, create your ideal body, become a more empowered parent to your children, and magnetize success and abundance in every aspect of your life. She is a transformational leader, celebrity coach, and the New York Times bestselling author of The Art of Having It All. Before she learned the law of attraction, she was unhappy in virtually every aspect of her life. Once she learned how to work with her own energy field in order to magnetize her life into everything she wanted, she focused on teaching others how to do the same for their own lives. As the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, she has appeared on Today and The Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People Magazine, Women's Day, and Teen Vogue, among others. She has helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through her empowerment seminars, speeches, and coaching sessions and products. Please join me in welcoming Christy Whitman. Thank you so much, Robbie. I'm grateful to be here with you. Ah, Christy, thanks so much for joining us from your office in Arizona. I want to just jump right in. As you know, this is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And 
When did you realize you had the skills to lead? For me, leadership is really being able to inspire people to come together for a common vision and everybody executing what they need to execute in order to complete that vision. And I would say that, you know, I realized it when I was in college because every job that I ever had, I was quickly promoted. Like I did my job well, but then I was quickly promoted to like the team leader, you know, the person that did the scheduling, the head of the cocktail waitresses or whatever it was. I was always in the leadership role where I would train the, the, the people that the new employees that came on whether it was through you know, the gap through high school or even um, you know, as a pharmaceutical sales rep, um, I, would, I would have my managers that would have people ride along with me. And then I became a sales training manager in that field. So when I started my own business and started gathering my own team, it was really easy because I've been doing this for a long time. It's just, as long as you know what your vision is and everybody knows the part and the piece that they play in that, and then you incentivize everybody and, and I would, you know, really make it a fun experience and really make sure that I'm showing appreciation and gratitude and giving accolades where needed and, and that sort of thing. Um, people just like to work with me. So I, I appreciate that. I have to say, we, we really can't overstate how important it is to be liked by the people who yes. work with you. Um, you threw that in at the end, but actually that's such an important key piece because you could have a great vision. And people don't want to come along with you because you're not that enjoyable to work with and you're kind of demanding about it. But it sounds like you had the opportunity to sort of test this out at an early age. I love when guests immediately start to like talk about not just, you know, when I was in business school, but you're going back to your years at the Gap. Yes, <laughs> my very first job. Cocktail, uh, uh, cocktail tables and stuff. So it's <laughs> kind of fun. Um, yeah, you know. We see you today, this like well put together professional with all these books. And yes, we all took a turn working retail or working in the bar. So, um, but early on, were you, um, were you seeing that for yourself even before that? Or did, did other people see that potential in you? Or were you kind of quiet and uh, observing, but not necessarily acting in the space that you're in, like in, in elementary, in high school, in college? No, I, I had people like my my bosses, for example, that would see that I had an effect on you know on the on the people that I worked with, and that I I just rose to a leadership position. Um, you're making it may go back even to when I was in high school. I was um, asked to be the palm captain because I had that leadership, you know, pom pom like rah rah. Um, had that that leadership role within me just because I just it just seemed to know what motivates people. And I had that likability, like you were saying, but more importantly, is like, I really could look at someone and help them really feel good about themselves by looking at the positive aspects of them and helping them realize, you know, to look at less of what, what they don't like about themselves and more of what they do like about themselves. And I just think other, you know, employers and employees that sort that they saw that in me and kind of cultivate, help me cultivate that within myself. What a, a- wonderful innate skill though to see this sort of best in people and help them rise to that and to recognize for it yourself your ability to step in it's it wasn't even that you were seeking these roles but they were still bestowed upon you because you had the aptitude and the skill set and now i can imagine that is helping you as you translate that into the work you're doing today you know the origin is there even though it sounds like you you you've had all these sort of missteps in your career these they're kind of took you off your course in life and now you're able to still go back to some ways to these roots that you had, which is to see the best in people and help them manifest that for themselves. 
Absolutely. You know, I grew up with a very critical mother and um, I just knew the way I didn't want to be treated and I didn't want to treat other people in that way. It was like always looking for what's bad and wrong instead of what's right and good. And so I, I just immediately just uh, intuitively translated that into my very first job. And, you know, it's, it's like do unto others, you know, the golden rule. It's, it's really, I knew the contrast of what it felt like to be criticized and put down. And I had, you know, bosses that did that too. And so it was just a perfect reflection of, I don't want to be like that. I don't, mm. That's not a good leader. People don't feel good in her presence. So I just took that type of contrast and said, well, how do I want to be? How do I want to affect the people that are around me? And, and one of my biggest things is that I want to leave people better than when they were before they had an interaction with me. Ah, I, that's, that's a tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And I know it's really, it's a beautiful idea. I, I actually talk about this in the context of conversations that uh, when I'm teaching people networking skills, like leave people just feeling good about themselves at the, at the end of that conversation, like leave the conversation on a high note, yes. no matter what you're talking about, like leave it on a high note and they're going to want to talk to you more. And the same thing, like you, you help people like be better than where they were before they talk to you. And I also love this idea that you, you were able to look some of your, almost like your um, biggest lessons about leadership were in what not to be like. Right. Absolutely. You took you a chance to say, well, let me reflect on that for myself. Well, I don't want to be like that. Well, then in the absence of that, what am I and how do I act in the world? And like, what, what do I bring forth that's different? And then how do people respond? So you had some practice in sort of a what not to do scenario. Yeah. And that, you know, that's really an approach I take in life because there's so much variety and so much contrast and so many, so many have different people have ways of being and, and just, philosophies and their beliefs and all that. And for me, I just need to look at what, what feels good for me? What don't I like? And when you look at what you don't like or what kind of interaction or quality that you don't like in someone, and then you ask yourself, well, what do I want instead? That's basically my whole philosophy. Like, what do I want and why do I want that? And how do I want to feel? You know, then it really gives me clarity about how I, who I want to become, because we're always in a state of becoming and who do I want to become, you know, in the next moment? And then the next moment, who do I want to live? What do I want to live into? What kind of employer do I want to be? You know, what kind of coach or leader do I want to be? What kind of mother, you know, wife do I want to be, daughter? And I'm always taking any kind of contrasting experience and turning it into clarity of what I do want to have in my life and, and what I want to experience. So important that you're not staying with just the what you don't want to be, because I think there are a lot of people who frame their world in the the not, yes. right? They're like they walk around saying like I don't want to be poor, right? You know, and like I I and I know enough about the work you're doing to understand that that is like I guess it, ineffective is like the least that it is. <laughs> it's just sort of like call. First of all, it doesn't set you up to do what you could be doing to change your life. And it kind of keeps you thinking in the ways that you are putting yourself down, right? The, the I don't want to, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be poor. It's like the example that keeps coming to mind. So yeah, what are your thoughts? I could see you light up when I said that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all my, one of my whole philosophies and what I teach and what I coach people on is because, you know, I, I talk about the seven essential laws, my newest book, Quantum Success. 
is really about understanding these universal laws and that this really is an inclusion-based universe. It's a vibratory universe. Everything is energy. I'm getting kind of woo-woo here for a minute. But um, you know, when we focus on what we don't want, we're going to get more of the same because if we're energy towers sending out a signal all day, every day by the thoughts that we think, the emotions that we have, what we say, what we do, and we're focused on, I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to get a divorce. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be poor. I can't afford this. You know, success never seems to be in my grasp. I can't get the promotion, all those negative things. You know, I don't want to get caught in traffic. I don't want to lose my keys. All the things that people naturally and normally focus on, it's important to know that when you're focused on that, you're going to attract those things. Mm-hmm. And so as you shift and as you start, your point, your focus needs to be on what do you, do you want to experience and, and really being mindful of the words that you say. So instead of, I can't afford that, you know, instead saying, that's not a financial priority for me right now. Or that's not what I, I don't want that. And then it's like, well, that, what do I want? I want this, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really different shift, even just vibrationally when we're talking about a universal perspective, but you could even just feel it inside your own body. When you're focused on lack and limitation, it just doesn't feel good. It creates feelings and emotions of, of, of being feeling bad. It just doesn't feel good. But when you're focused on what you do want and the possibilities and the probabilities and the potentiality of what you want, then it actually feels good. It affects our moods, what we focus on, and it ultimately affects what we attract in our life. I highly concur on all of these points. And I, I don't even know at what point I started to finally live that or whether I was doing a lot of it, but put words to it. Um, but I, I think about when I'm working with people, that it's just about creating possibilities. I think sometimes the reason people don't want to put their wants and needs out there is because then there's disappointment if they are so clear on what they want. And then if it doesn't happen, like it's not a, it's not a direct correlation. It's not like I want to win the lottery. And then I like, well, first of all, if you don't play the lottery, you don't win the lottery. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you're not in it, you can't win it. But if you, you know, it's more like creating possibilities. I think about my network that way too, about how I, you know, when I reach out to people or even this hosting this, this show, it's never like a one-to-one correlation of I'm going to get business because I do the show. But the show brings me so much. And I'm sure from that comes business. But there's a trust, I think. How do you build that trust? Particularly if, you, I mean, your story includes some like real downtrodden moments. How do you build that trust if your life has been going sideways for so long? How does someone flip that script and start to test this out in smaller ways? Like what's the safe way of trying this? Well, and I love what you're saying because a lot of times people will say, oh, well, I'm fine. I don't want anything. Desire, having desires or having wants is, you know, that's materialistic. Or, and it's just a way of saying that I don't believe in myself and my ability to create what I want because I'm going to be disappointed. And you know what? Disappointment is just an emotion. It takes 90 seconds to process an emotion. So you put yourself out there and you go towards what you want. You may not hit exactly what you wanted, but you're in a much better place than focusing on what you don't want or staying mm. stuck. You know, and it really for me, it's like when I first found out about the universal laws and about focusing on your thoughts in the positive direction that you want to go, it was over 20 years ago. And I remember a woman was my meditation teacher. She said to me, you know, you are always creating your reality in every moment. Your thoughts create your reality. 
And back then people didn't talk like that. So when she said that to me, it was like this visceral feeling of like, oh, she's right. That's, that's truth. There's something of truth in that. No one ever said that to me before, but I knew that to be true. And so I thought, well, the way I'm going about life is, is pretty much the way my mom and dad went about life. I don't want to turn out exactly like them. I don't want their relationship. I don't want to be in lack with money, even though they have money. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be dissatisfied in my life. So what can I do to change it? And so I was, it's almost like when you're in pain and you're so desperate, you're like, I'll try anything, right? That's where I was, where it's like, I'm going to test this out. If I shift my, my attention and my focus on what I want, let me just test it out. And, and I recommend to anybody, don't believe me, test it out. Do, do a 30-day experiment of what happens when you start really being mindful of your own energy and, and your own thoughts and your own emotions and really focusing on what would excite you. What would you absolutely love in all aspects of your life? And only giving your attention to that, you're going to see changes because it's a universal law. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it, it works for every single person. It's like gravity, right? It's like, it doesn't work for just me and not Robbie or just Robbie and not me. It works for every single person. And it's really like, you know, it, it makes sense to know about gravity because if you walk by the side of the building, you want to know that, you know what, if I go past it, I'm going to go splat, right? <laughs> yeah. It just makes sense. But we yeah. don't have to sit here and think about gravity in order for gravity to work. It's working all the time. We're not floating into outer space if we don't think about it. It's working whether we're aware of it or not. Whether, whether we you believe like it or it. not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so... um one, one like the small scale that I'm thinking of a way to test this is about parking karma. Because <laughs> <laughs> like anyone who has to drive into like, you know, a downtown area in a time when like no one should be able to park. And, you know, I, I just go into those moments thinking there's going to be a spot right out front. Right. And my wife's always like, well, now she's used to this now. <laughs> but, I, but part of it's like, there's a spot out front because of course there's a spot out front and it's there because no one else thinks to go get it. Or intend to for it, right? Most people are focused on, God, I hope I find a parking spot. I don't want to you know, walk too far to, to get to that store. So they're focused on what they don't want. You're yeah. focused on the intention of having the spot that you like or having a spot that's close to the store or wherever right. it is, right? So it's a very different thing. You have more power when you're mm. focused on positivity than you're when you're focused on negativity. Mm. All right. So here's what I want to know. What is most rewarding about the work you're doing today? I mean, you have carved out a very different and interesting life. And <laughs> you're doing awesome things. So, so what's, what's been so rewarding about being able to do this kind of work? To help somebody shift their relationship with or you know with themselves to understand that they have truly the responsibility and the power to create the life that they want and that they can do it deliberately they can actually become not a victim to their life or to circumstances but that they can become the deliberate creator that they and have the life that they want I mean, I, I could tell you, I mean, I'm doing this work as a coach for over 15 years. I've been an author for over 17 years. I've certified thousands of law of attraction coaches through my coaching academy. And every time I see someone transform their life because they, um, they get these principles, they understand these laws, and then they don't, like even if something happens, contrast happens all the time, they know how to navigate 
And, you know, you, you had mentioned, and, and we can let your listeners know that there's been some pretty major stuff that's happened to me in my life where I take, took these principles and turned things around and that I didn't let myself become a victim to life or these situations. One of those is um, I had my sister commit suicide 20 years ago. And it was right around the time when I was learning, it was, I was about a year in learning this information. And I was just committed that not only am I not going to go down that road that she went on, but that I wasn't going to let her decision affect my life in the way that I was going to be a victim to. I had a sister that committed suicide and poor me, and you know I could have done something and all that. I really applied what I was learning um, to the whole entire healing process. I had, you know, I, I went through a divorce, my first marriage. I lost a job before. I've been a hundred thousand dollars plus in debt and credit card debt. Um, you know, and I had my son who was two months of age that get rushed to the hospital and had to have open heart surgery. And I remember just taking what I knew in that hospital room when with a cardiologist gave us, you know, the diagnosis saying that he's the oldest baby that's ever had this type of thing. And, and he's at high risk. I turned to my husband and I said, there's no other vision than him being healthy getting exactly the care that he needs, growing up, wrestling around with his brother, Alex, going on trips, having a great time, you know, just being a happy family, the four of us and having him healthy and having him with us. And there are moments when I'll walk into a room and my husband and the two boys are wrestling around and I'm like, that's the vision we held. And it it was being vigilant in those moments, not letting us focus on the fear or the worry or the doubt or letting other people's fear or worry or doubt take us away from that vision. So one of the things that I appreciate about you sharing that is that this very woo-woo stuff can feel kind of unreal or only applies to you, Christy, mm-hmm. um, not me, because my life's so hard. I mean, I'm thinking of the listener, right? Like, oh, but, but you know, Christy doesn't know the hardship and the heartache that I've experienced. She's had this blessed life. And you're like, actually, no. And having these... Um, sort of laws in mind help how I responded. Because I think what you're getting at is we all have stuff happen to us. How we respond is the only thing we really have control over. And this is your framework, right? To like not just respond uh, or not not just react, but to actually choose a path forward of what you wanted the outcome to be. And I think a point about insulating yourself from other people's uh, energy, um, negativity, anxiety, if they don't have the same framework, how do you handle that in those moments of utter stress and despair, keeping that path forward for yourself when others around you are like just losing their minds? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, during that time, we, we, we made some family members unhappy because we l- wouldn't let them go and see Maxim in the ICU and um, because we said that it was just going to be Frederick and myself, my husband, because we wanted him to just be mired in just positive energy. And we knew that their worry or fear energy would affect him. And, and we just didn't want any of that to happen. So we had to put up a boundary and say that during this time, we would just respect that you don't go visit him. And, you know, we had his mom that was like, I'm going to go to the hospital and you can't control me. And we're like, yeah, actually we can. We're, we're the parents. And we told the hospital, no one else is allowed to see them except for us. And it didn't make her happy, um, but we dealt with it. We have a fine relationship with her now. Um, you have to put up boundaries and you know, y- you have to say what's a yes and what's a no. 
And sometimes you have to withdraw from the people, especially when you're learning this information and you're trying to change your life and you have negative people all around you. What happens is as more you start to work with this information, the more that you start focusing on what you want and with less of what you don't want, some of the people that are really negative may leave your life or they may shift along with you. But it's really important to be vigilant within yourself and make yourself and how you feel one of the most important things. Now, that's counterintuitive because most people are told, don't be so selfish. Don't focus on yourself. You know, focus on other people. And you know, we are, we have to be selfish because we can only come from the self. Now, it doesn't mean being egotistical and only think of yourself, but it means you have to be connected with yourself to know what I'm saying, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, what's a yes, what's a no, and, and do those things that are, I wrote about in Quantum Success, where you're self-regulating yourself, mm-hmm. where you're taking, you're taking the time away to take a breath. You're taking the time to really take care of, excuse me, really take care of yourself and, you know, do it in a way that is um, self-loving. Mm-hmm. And if you're always worried about what other people think and how they're going to feel and how they're going to react and how they're going to respond, you know, you're being hyper vigilant and you're living for everybody else. You're not coming from yourself. Yeah, it's very externally focused in that case. I, I mean, I've even had the experience. I'm, I've gotten really good at naming what I need. And um, <laughs> so I always think of the um, when Harry met Sally, the Sally <laughs> character, how she always, everything on the side. Yeah. And um, the sort of debate with it, was she high maintenance? And I think if you take care of your own needs, it's not, it's like, you're just clear about what you need. It's not so much you're asking other people to take care of you. And that's kind of where I've gotten to. It's like, I know what I need. And there are people who I've been friends with for a long time, who I think sometimes that's challenging because they haven't, my understanding of the situation is that they're uncomfortable because they're not good at naming what they need. Right. And it's still a struggle. And so when you're around people who are making those shifts in their life, it can leave people behind because they just, they see something in you that they, I think, want, but they don't know the steps to get to it. So I want to know though, as you were building this and it, I mean, obviously there's just the idea of it that you had to learn how to like live it. At what point did you think this is a business for me? Like, and, and, and particularly what was the challenge for you as you made that shift mentally of, okay, this is a business. I mean, you've become a successful coach and built out this whole academy, but the kernel of that was very small. Yes. Um, you know, I was a pharmaceutical rep. I was just applying what I was learning and, um, you know, applying it to all aspects of my life. And, uh, I, I kept like when I, my, one of my last pharmaceutical jobs, um, I just kept winning awards and accolades and, you know, we would get into these regional meetings and we had like three medications that we were selling. And so we, they would announce like who was the winners of these different bonuses and everyone would be like, Christy Whitman, because they were just getting so <laughs> tired of, you know, me being winning. And so this one smart woman that was in my, my group in my region, she came up to me and she goes, what are you doing? How are you so successful? And I said, well, I'll coach you. I can, you know, I'm becoming a coach. I've been coaching people, you know, in different areas of their lives. And she went from like the bottom of the sales, you know, entire organization to winning pre- president's trophy within 12 weeks, like president's trophy is like the 10% elite, you know, kind of thing. You go on a trip and all this stuff. And by teaching her what I was applying and learning, I got so much joy out of it. It was, it was, I got even more joy watching her rise 
than I got in having me experience all this. It was just, it was so much fun watching her shift and become happier in her life. I mean, it was an inner and outer experience. She was having the outer success, but she was also changing on the inside. And, um, and then she referred her friend who, you know, was making about $70,000 a year. She's doing really well in the banking business. And after I coached her for a good six months, um, she was making over $120,000 a year that next year. So for me, it was, it was just fun. It was exciting. It, it just felt really good. And I was really good at it. It felt like I didn't have to effort it. It felt like something that I was just naturally born to do. It was just a complete gift. So I just dedicated myself to go get certified and become my own coach. And um, I just loved the whole training process of it. And I just remember at one point I had met my husband, Frederick, and um, I knew that I wanted to do this, whether it would become a full-blown business. I'd already had a couple books that came out. I loved the process of writing. It just downloaded through me. So the whole thing of becoming a coach and an author and even speaking I just loved it. So I was doing it on weekends and, and um, at night, you know, after I had my normal high paying job. And um, there was a moment when I met my husband, he lived in Montreal. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. And, I, and he's like, well, why don't you go full time? And I remember being scared. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make the kind of money, you know, but I know that I, one thing principle is the law of sufficiency and abundance and that my sufficiency, my, my abundance comes from me, comes from source, comes from energy. It doesn't come from the company I'm working with. Mm. It, that's an avenue through which it, get, you know, it comes. So with that, I quit my job and I went full time and, and I never looked back. And it just felt like a natural progression of what needed to happen next. It just evolved. It was, it was more of a calling that I listened to and then mm -hmm. it became a business. I love hearing this. And I also, it sounds like you also did a lot of things sort of thoughtfully. You didn't, you didn't like have your first coaching client and then immediately jump out and try this whole time. <laughs> but there's a period of time you're doing it on the side, nights and weekends, you start adding coaching, you're ad speaking, you know, you start to think about it as a business. And um, Dory Clark, who's my friend and mentor said, you know, at some point your job gets in the way of your business. Yes. And that's when you know. That's the yes. secret moment where it's like, oh, I guess I should like move on. And it's still scary because you haven't, you're not replacing a salary, but right. you have enough there. Uh, it sounds like you also had a lot of supports and you were trying to live even in that transition, these moments. I now, because you said the word abundance, I have to tell you, like I, abundance is so a through line for my life. But I have this little post-it note that I wrote in a workshop like five years ago. It was one of those exercises where they're like, okay, everyone, like write down a mantra and I wrote this mantra down and it's been on my computer ever since. Um, <clears throat> it says, I, I have enough, I am enough, I choose to live with abundance. Mm. And keep thinking about that. I have enough, I am enough, I choose to live with abundance. And I'm just you know, calling it to myself, even the moments of, I don't know what I'm doing, all those moments of like doubt, I just have to sort of trust in me. I love this um, the self-sufficiency piece of it. Like you're, you're making it happen you're not just wishful thinking it. Like you're no. still putting a lot of effort in. I think that might be one of the most misunderstood 
aspects probably of, of the work that you're talking about is people thinking like, oh, I just think it. And then it just happens. And you're like, oh gosh, you know, if I, only so, were snow. <laughs> yeah. If only if it was that easy, if, if only, right. Um, no. And I appreciate that you're bringing that up because one of the, the principles that I talk about in quantum success is that the key to success is both, both the inner work and the outer work. Cause we're both non-physical and we're also physical. And so it's alignment and it's momentum. So mm. what that means is it, you have to be aligned with what your vision is. You have to have your thoughts, your beliefs, what you say, everything in alignment with the possibility of where you're going. And then you have to actually do something. You have to, you know, whatever the inspired action is, you have to, the non-physical part of us can't take the action. We're the one that has to write the email, make the phone call, get on the stage, write the book, you know, see the client. We're the one that has to do that physical work in the world. But as long as we're tapped in with it, we're in co-creative partnership with it, there's a more elegant way of, other than pushing and shoving and, you know, striving and competing and all that, that comes from an old way of being that's totally rooted in lack. And the other thing I wanted to say is that from a place of abundance, since you brought that up, you know, the law of sufficiency and abundance is a beautiful um, spectrum. And if you think about it, one of the other laws I talk about is the law of polarity. On one side, you have lack and limitation, scarcity, not enoughness, right? And on the other pole, you have abundance. Now, the universe that we live in is completely birthed, and you can look at nature to see the abundance that the universe, nature always gives us, whether it's pebbles of sand at a beach, ounces of water in the ocean, rain when it comes down, you know, whatever it is, we see it in abundance. Most people are seeing evidence of abundance, but abundance of lack. They're getting a lot. Abundance is a lot, right? It, they're getting a lot of lack. Mm. So there's this, there's this spectrum, and where you are on the spectrum, how you feel, how you think, what kind of re- energetic relationship you have with anything, whether it's money, relationships, your career, if you're on the side of lack, you feel bad. If you're on the side of abundance, you feel good. And that doorway in between, that entry point into abundance to get to that tipping point is satisfaction, is sufficiency, is enoughness. You cannot, by law, attract what you want in abundance in any aspect of your life if you're in lack. And that's why so many people are constantly beating their heads up against a wall going, I want this, I'm working so hard, but everything they're putting out energetically, I'm focused on money, I want more money, I will do anything for money, right? But it's like they're in that desperation, that neediness, that not, this isn't enoughness. And you cannot attract what you want from that place. You have to come into at least being satisfied, sufficient, and then move from there. And this is why people can be so rich with very little money, and people yes. so much money can be so poor in spirit um, because of <clears throat> sort of where they stand on that polarity. Uh, thank you yes. for that little bit there. So I, I just want to like shift us a little bit um, to this idea about uh, building your networks because part of I think your success is you're great with people. Like I and I and I know that not knowing you, I'm going to say I I believe this because you did sales, <laughs> and so anyone who does high level scales. Uh, high level sales and really understands how to how to engage with people relationships are such a such an important part of high touch sales and and you clearly were excelling at that and you've translated that into the business model that you have you're you're attracting great people they're coming yes. into a program their lives are changed they're like rippling effect out into the world 
what an amazing thing to have, um, you know, y- yourself be part of that. So of all the careers you've had, including Gap, you've met a lot of great people. <laughs> yes. How do you nurture and sustain those relationships? Not the like inner circle, close ties, but like the second and third tier out, the people that you meet at a conference a few times a year or like once every other year you see them or you just like somebody, but you don't have business plans with them. Do you have any habits or practices for nurturing the connections that you have? You know, I like to ask people like how I can support them. And, you know, I really come from that perspective, not what I can take or get, but what can I give? Um, I truly believe that if you're coming from the place of giving, that's an, that's an abundance place of mentality rather than what can I get? Um, what can I give? How can I support you? Just even asking that question, people tend to like people that want to support them, right? And they want to know what you're up to and what you're doing and how they can then support you. So a lot of my relationships, especially in this personal development industry, um, you know, some of my best friends are well-known, you know, people that are in the industry. It started with, how can I support you? How can I promote your work? How can I, can I interview you to be able to promote your work with other, to my, my community? And, you know, we, because of those interactions like this, you know, we have a, no- a lovely conversation. We have a beautiful interaction. They're appreciative because I'm helping them get their word out about the product or service or whatever their message is. And then we just continue this, this conversation. Um, I'm really clear about the kind of person and people that I want to connect with. And so I'm also very, if I find that someone is out of integrity or um, doesn't, I don't relate to them in a way I, I, I don't want to be, if they could be the most popular person in the world, I don't want to be um, associated with them because honesty and integrity is really important to me. And um, so I, I, I just have a good intuitive feeling that if someone's doing great work, I want to help support them. And I really, what I love about this industry and having the, the mindset that I have is there is no competition. Someone else could be a law of attraction person or, you know, in the movie, The Secret or anything like that. They're going to say things and do things and have different programs that are very different than mine. And it will complement and supplement things that I don't do. And so I like to help them and, and, you know, have it be a reciprocal thing instead of looking at, well, I can't do that because, you know, you do the same thing as I, I do. Yeah, it's so funny. I was recently described as a rising tides lifts all boats kind of person. Yes. <laughs> um, they're like, you're so generous, even when it's with someone who does like what you do. And I'm like, I, I, what you said describes what my feeling is on this topic, Christy, because I don't see the competition in it. And it brings me such joy to be in collaboration and in support of other people. And, and those people who give that back to me are the ones who stay right in your circles. Yeah. Yeah. And the, those who are just taking, 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 you start to notice that <laughs> that's a different thing. But tactically, are you a person who hosts dinners, to salons? Do you do a lot of one-on-one coffee? Um, like how do you sort of both engage your community and help them engage with each other? Because you must have such interesting people sort of floating in your circles. Yes, I do. I do a lot of masterminds. I'm involved in a couple of groups. Um, One of them is Transformational Leadership Council. So we get together twice a year and there's a lot of really amazing people. I sit in the room and go, wow, these were my teachers, you know, when I first started learning about this, like John Gray and, you know, um, Jack Canfield and, you know, wonderful, amazing people like that. Um, And so we get together and we collaborate and we learn from each other and, and do things like that. 
But um, yeah, for for people that I was an affiliate uh, affiliate with, that would promote, for example, my Quantum Success Coaching Academy, and I may, maybe promote their product or service. Um, I would always have a contest, and we would always go once a year to some fabulous place, whether it was the Four Seasons in Maui or. Um, uh, the Barbados or Turks and Caicos. And we would take a, about three or four days and just spend time, you know, connecting and having dinners and going on boat rides and, and really just having fun together and getting to know each other and developing our relationships in a deeper way. So, um, with my community of those that I serve with, with the community that, um, you know, is, I, I call them part of my family. I'm always doing things like free meditations. And, you know, I, I really believe in, giving and generosity is one of my biggest values and being able to give and um, it's important. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of those things. I don't do a lot of coffees per se. I'm very clear with, with, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also an introvert. So I need my downtime. And I, I know that about myself now and my husband and my two boys who are still young, eight, nine, um, they need a lot of mommy attention. So I'm, I'm very selective of where I go to speak. I um, just got asked today to speak in Moscow and I had to step back and go, sounds like a great opportunity to travel there, be there. You know, is that even though it's great money and it's a great honor to go and speak at this conference in Moscow, um, is it something I want to do right now as a priority because it takes time away from my boys? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, these are just questions I have to ask myself so that I'm clear on, you know, I'm a big trust person. So even friends that I have, I've got my inner circle that I know, I've got my besties that I know I can trust. And when I start to feel that someone is kind of wavering and I can't trust them, for me, it's like, why develop the relationship any further? Because trust is everything. If Mm. I don't have trust, then what's the point? Absolutely. No, that all sounds amazing. And that's probably that your contest is one of the most creative answers I've, I've heard on this show. <laughs> this idea, I mean, really it honors the people who are making an effort. Like, you yes. know, it's like, you're, you're like the one who's investing a lot in what I'm doing. And I want to bring, let's, and let's, let's not, I don't want to just like give you money to go have fun on your own. Like, let's do this together because then we're building, we're deepening this, this relationship that we have, which probably makes them want to do even more for you, <laughs> you know, because they're like, yeah. well, then Chrissy's going to take care of me. Like she notices when I do things. I think some people, you get like a little thank you email, <laughs> you know. Or, or nothing. Or nothing. Know? Yeah. yeah. Being, being seen, being recognized. That's part of a building trust. So one of my favorite questions and our wrap-up question for us is if we're reconnecting a year from now and we are celebrating all of your successes. I want to know what what are those celebrations going to be about? What are the what are the things you're most looking forward to in the next year? Well, I started doing um, my my work has evolved and changed a lot, and I'm starting to do more energy healing and um, actually channeling, which has been really incredible. And so it's a it's a different of evolution of my business. So having that part of my business, having it really well received. Um, having a lot of people that are are having you know their their physical, mental, emotional, you know, financial aspects of their life completely changed. I'd love to see quantum success hit the New York Times list. Um, you know, traveling to different places with my family. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to go on Super Soul Sunday. That's always been a unmanifested um, desire of mine ever since I became an, an author. So, would love to celebrate that with you, Rabia, in the year. 
put it out into the universe. This is the beginning <laughs> of it. It's and out then, there. <laughs> and then take all the steps <laughs> that's it. here and there, right? Um, no, that's fantastic. And I really, I, I hope to be celebrating all of this with you. It sounds like you are, are thinking about ways to keep innovating, keep it fresh, keep it exciting for you so that you stay in the game, helping other people so that they can continue to do the same. I just want to thank you, Chrissy, for spending time with us. So how can people find you and follow your work? Well, thank you for that opportunity. I'd actually love to give all of your listeners a copy of my book, Quantum Success, for free. It's not an ebook; It's an actual hardcover book. Um, and they can go to quantumsuccessbook.com. I just ask that they take care of the shipping. So it's $7.95 in the States. Uh, so it's quantumsuccessbook.com. Um, or you can go to christywhitman.com where I have my show that comes out every Monday where I talk about the universal laws and how to practically apply it and um, in different meditations and different um, really tools and processes you can do to work with the universal laws. What a fantastic gift. And I was surprised to hear that, but not actually hearing it from you. (laughs) I was like, well, that's not that surprising. That's wonderful though. Really, thank you so much. So we'll have all those links in the show notes. We'll also have a way to connect with you on LinkedIn and Twitter. Christy, thank you. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate you having me on and letting me be part of your family. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Christy. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 128. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode with Christy, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple's podcasts. It's easy to find your, our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.